Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Wright here, and I'm here with a special guest, Amy Hayward. And Amy's a friend from the past, from the Okanagan Valley, and she's you're down in California right now, aren't you? Is that right? I am. It is 20 degrees and sunny currently. Yeah. It's 20 degrees here as well, but it's the other way. <laughs> it was actually minus 19 degrees on my pickup this morning when I got up. So, so we're looking at a 40 degree swing here. Uh, so we love you anyway. But Amy's here because uh, she just produced her first book, uh, Victory Over Rejection. I had the privilege of reading a pre-publication copy, and I was just just so very impressed that uh, when the book came out and I I got a copy, I thought, I really need to talk to Amy uh, for this podcast because she deals with some things in this book that get to the core of of our identity, that get to the core of moving ahead as followers of Jesus. And uh, just, uh, Amy, I just love your writing style. The stories, the 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 the, the personal um, depth you bring to that. Uh, so just to jump right into it, how how long? When when I see a book like this, I know you just didn't wake up one day and write it. How, how long was this book kind of incubating for you? Mm, yeah. Well, thanks for your kind comments, Darren. And I I wrote the book in just a couple of months uh, while I was in school down here. So it took about five months, mm-hmm. but the incubation was honestly 10 years before that. Yeah. The Lord took me through a healing process about 10 years ago. And over that past decade, this message and the tools were kind of taking a new formation in my own spirit and seeing how the Lord was helping me share that message with other people who are struggling with the same things. Oh, that's so excellent. And so, I mean, when you write a book for the first time, you know, first time authors, I've been there and, and you're there and we're going to talk about that maybe a little more, you know, your first book is something usually that's very close to the core of who you are. It's, it's really something that comes from, from the depth. So just unpack a little bit more about why this topic, what, uh, what, what kinds of things did you see and learn and experience that brought, made this the topic that you made your first book about? Hmm. Yeah, I had always dreamt of writing a book. I knew it was something that the Lord had for me, but I really had to wait for the right timing. And I went with this topic because it was such a huge part of my own journey, learning how to really break free from rejection and fear in my own life. And then once you get victory over something, it's really easy to assume that everyone else has victory over it too. (laughs) Mm, Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's just me, but I tend to think everyone else thinks the way that I do. And so once I've reached something, I assume everyone else has. Um, But I began to see that that really isn't true. And there were a lot of Christians Mm. struggling with those things that I had now been in freedom from. So, you know, seeing that it manifests in different ways with different people, but really the answer is the same for all of us. And Jesus has the victory and it's just a matter of applying it in our lives. So once I realized that other people needed the tools that I had, I couldn't, I couldn't help but share them. Oh, that's so, so excellent. Yeah. I mean, it really comes from a minute. You've got a ministry heart and this, 
this really, this book is an extension of your ministry and your life. You know, the subtitle here says, Applying the Victory of Jesus to Rejection, Fear, and Social Anxiety. And just want to talk about the relationship between those three things. You know, the, the title is Victory Over Rejection, and then you bring in these issues of fear and social anxiety. How do those kind of play together? Yeah, well, you know, when you're struggling with rejection, you know that it's a problem for you, but it very quickly becomes two problems. You know, rejection wounds from your past are one thing, but when they're left untended to, it creates a lot of fear. And then suddenly the fear of rejection becomes your biggest problem. Hmm. And so that for a lot of people looks like social anxiety and, um, you know, there's lots of tools that the world can offer for anxiety and fear, but the tools that give you lasting victory will be the ones that Jesus provided for us 2000 years ago. And so that's why I've kind of tied them together. Cause for me, it was kind of just a snowball effect of all those things joining together. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. So why don't you just, in whatever level you want, just kind of unpack some of the main discoveries you've made, the things that helped you that you're seeing help other people as far as principles for, for gaining victory in this area. What are some, some, some things that, you know, right off the top that jump out at you as these are the, these are the main things people need to hear. Yeah, I think identity is so important. Um, and in some Christian circles, that's talked about a lot, but talking about it and applying it are two different things. Hmm. So most Christians would say they know that they're loved, but applying that to your everyday life will bring transformation. Hmm. So knowing what your identity is, knowing what the Lord says about you, and then actually acting on it and believing it. And that's usually in opposition to the fears and the things that the enemy is trying to do in your life. So that's, you know, a bit of spiritual warfare um, is applying your identity and then renewing your mind is so important. Once you know the lies that are being used against you in your identity, knowing how to bring the truth in again, applying it is a whole nother level of transformation. Mm. So knowing your identity, renewing your mind, and then Forgiveness. Forgiveness is huge. And forgiveness as Christians, I think, should look different than how the world talks about forgiveness. So that was a big revelation for me in my own life. And I think if we really grasp that and start acting it out, the world would really be attracted to the church with hmm. that model. Oh, I, I want to unpack that in a second, but I want to on forgiveness issue. But taking a step back, the whole idea of identity and lies and truth. Can you give a, like a, what's a common example of an identity lie and the biblical principle or truth that needs to come into play? Something either you've walked through or seen many people walk through. What's a concrete example of that? How does that, how, what does that look like? Yeah, I think just a really common one and maybe oversimplified is I'm not loved. And that can come out in different ways. Um, but this idea that you are not loved makes you walk into every room and feel ashamed or afraid and affects your relationships with other people. Hmm. But the truth is we are beloved. We're so loved that the creator of the world sent his son to die on the cross for us. Hmm. 
And if, if we have a high, high value for that truth, we cannot also entertain the thought that we're not fully loved. They're in opposition to each other. So accepting that truth that we are loved, that Jesus did die on the cross as payment for us, that will transform you if you're willing to accept it and value it. Yeah. Just let's go even a little deeper on like, how does this actually happen? So on the one hand, I might feel like I'm not loved. I see a, you know, the truth of scripture that says I clearly am loved. Yet yet I find myself in this tension. I don't feel loved, but I see biblically I am. How do I bring that truth? How does it squeeze out the lie? What do I actually do practically? Yeah. For me, that looks like repentance. Hmm. I had to repent for valuing the the words of people and valuing my own feelings above God's word. Hmm. And wow. so, you know, fear of God and fear of man are intention. And if we fear men, we're going to value their words more highly. If we truly fear God, we're going to value his word about us above anything else. So I had to repent for making idols out of people and making hmm. idols out of my own feelings And then that's when, you know, in repentance, the loving kindness of God really met me. And that's where freedom was for me. And I was finally able to accept what he said about me. That's, that's really good. And that's one of the reasons actually I wanted to talk to you because you have a whole chapter on repentance and repentance is such a cornerstone issue, but I've rarely heard it applied to this kind of an issue. You know, especially the way I ask the question, I don't feel loved. Scripture says, I'm like, how do I fix that? And you went to repentance, which, which if we don't go there, we can, we can run in circles for a long, long time. Yeah. If we don't, but repentance gets right to the core of the issue and a change of mind, change of heart, uh, you know, godly sorrow for believing or valuing the words of people. That was so well said, Amy. That's excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned that about forgiveness. Forgiveness, the world's way of forgiving versus the biblical way of forgiving. Unpack the difference there a little bit. Yeah, I think I think the world sets up forgiveness as something that is earned, right? You, When someone apologizes well, then you extend forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Or they have to earn back your trust. They have to prove to you that they're not going to hurt you that way again. And in the kingdom, we it might be a similar model that forgiveness needs to be earned, but for us, it was earned on the cross. And so the sacrifice of Jesus covers all sin, not just our own. And we tend to love the cross for our own sin, but despise it for the sins of others. Mm -hmm. And that's something that needs to shift in Christian cultures. We need to also value and appreciate the cross for the sins that are committed against us mm-hmm. and accept that as full payment, not requiring anything else. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that would make a huge difference in relationships. You know, I, I go into a lot of crisis situations in churches and the relational issues are really where the bad line is. You know, Jesus prayed in John 17 for unity. To me, unity and the fight for right relationships is frontline spiritual warfare. Yeah, and, and this issue of forgiveness is, you know, in any relationship, we're going to hurt each other's feelings. We're going to step on each other's toes inadvertently, sometimes intentionally. Mm-hmm. And the cross certainly has you know, more than enough grace for that. That was, again, very well said there, Amy. Any other big principles for 
uh, overcoming rejection that you'd like to highlight for people? Um, I think, I think humility is incredibly valuable. Mm. And when we're stuck in any kind of negative pattern or habit, we have to be willing to admit that we're, we've been doing something wrong. Mm. (laughs) That's the first step to any kind of transformation is admitting that there's something you need to change. And you know, our stories are all different, uh, but the Holy Spirit is a real genius at helping us figure out what area of our thinking needs to change. And when we align our thoughts with his, mm. that's when he brings transformation. So being willing to admit you've been wrong and letting go of some of the self-protecting strategies that mm have kept you alive so far, but are holding you back from the full life that Jesus has for you. Hmm. You know, the, the word that comes to mind is just saying that is, is the idea of vulnerability, at least vulnerability before the Lord and your, your writing style and the things you share are very vulnerable and open and, you know, very, very humble really. And, and I can certainly affirm that humility is, is one of the big issues because, <laughs> you know, we keep the shell up even sometimes between us and the Lord somehow that we, we try to somehow hide you know, I think of Adam Eve hiding in the garden as if they could hide from God and to have the humility before the Lord. And then sometimes before people, you know, confessing our sins to one another, praying for each other that we may be healed in James five, there's a real humility that comes there that, that leads to breakthroughs. You know, your, your, your book is woven through with scripture. What would be some key passages you'd point people to just to reflect on and maybe memorize or, or study in dealing with the kind of issues we've been talking about rejection and fear and uh, forgiveness, repentance. What are some of the key verses maybe that have, that have helped you? Hmm. I th- well, starting off, I would say find a Psalm that really echoes where you are. You know, the hmm. Psalms are so rich and full of expressing all the emotions that we have in humanity. And for me, Psalm 27 was an anchor during my really low points. It, I felt it was telling my story and really expressed mm. where I was. And that was such a good anchor point for me to come back to in those difficult moments. <clears throat> and then another great key for me was Romans 8. I mean, mm. read Romans 1 through 8 for sure, because that <laughs> kind of tells the whole story of our relationship with the Lord. But once you get to Romans eight, it's, you can't help, but see the truth of the gospel and how valuable that is and what our role is, what our identity is, is really found in Romans eight. So Hmm. those would be some starting points, I guess. Oh yeah. No, Romans eight is really one of the great crescendos of scripture. I love the way you said, start with Romans one and work your way there because it really (laughs) does build. And uh, I could see how Romans eight would really, address a lot of deeply anchored lies in our hearts and our minds. If we, if we just spend some time in the word now for, for me, renewing of the mind is, you know, the work of the spirit and the word together, renewing us. Uh, if you, if you were to tell someone, if, if the, the answer is to renew your mind, what do you tell people to do? How do we renew our mind? What do we actually do practically? Yeah. You know, there's um, some good little tools that I put in the book practices that really helped me 
just really simple, almost elementary things that Mm. we tend to think we've moved past, but I'm still using them in my walk now with different things. So things like just listing out what are the lies that I'm hearing. Mm. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you're learning to identify the voice of the Lord, right? The sheep know the shepherd's voice. So just write down on paper things that you hear that you know don't agree with scripture Hmm. and might feel true because of your circumstances, but are less than what God's word is saying. And then ask him to speak to that through scripture or through the Holy Spirit and measure those against each other. What is the truth and what are the other things I'm hearing? And then once you know that, you have to put it into action and apply it. So you need to commit to replacing your thoughts. Every time you hear a lie, replace it with the truth. And that's, it sounds so simple. It is incredibly difficult when you're starting. Mm. When you have something that's been repeated in your mind for years, decades, It takes a lot of hard work to kind of shovel a new path, right? You think about it, the brain has pathways and the ones that are well-worn are really easy to walk. But when you're trying to take a new path up north, you know, you've got to spend some time shoveling (laughs) before you can walk safely. And that's what renewing the mind is. It's just that hard work of making a new path, but it does get easier. Oh, that's really well said. What's the, you know, this is very much on one level, it's an individual exercise, but what's the role of the larger body in, in gaining victory over rejection and fear in these things? How does the body of Christ come into play? Mm, that's a great question. I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of shame around rejection. Mm. Um, it's interesting, even putting this book out, There's people who are almost ashamed for me or Hmm. nervous about me promoting it. Um, So we need to just tear down any shame that's around rejection. It's something I would say all of us experience at some point. And even as Christians, we don't need to hide the things that we struggle with. We should talk about it openly. And so... That would be the first thing. And then speaking truth over each other, Hmm. you know, it's really sad looking at the world today, how, especially online, Christians don't look any different from non-Christians. And sometimes you can even tell by how harshly they're judging other people that they are Christians. And my mandate that I feel for my calling is John 13, 35, that we should be known by our love for each other. Mm. So if we can start to model that well for the world, what love really looks like, that's going to be speaking the truth and accepting each other and encouraging each other. Mm. Oh, very good. You know, you, you, through the book, you tell a lot of your own story and you obviously walked through a long-term journey in this area and other areas of, of life growing how has, you know, coming to the other side of this, I know there, we're always in the battle, but you've come through, you've, you've walked through a lot and, and gained a lot of victory to a place where you're sharing very effectively with other people through your writing and speaking. How has it changed the way you, you walk with Jesus, you know, today versus 10, 15 years ago? 
Uh, what, what's changed for you? How does it feel different? How is it different on a day-to-day basis? Uh, how do you describe that? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I honestly kind of long for the days uh, that were the hardest part of my journey. Hmm. <laughs> I spent so many days just crying out to the Lord alone on my kitchen floor having no idea what to do, but worship and would spend hours every day worshiping just out of pain Mm. and had so much intimacy with the Lord in that place. And so Mm -hmm. that was such a sweet, sweet time for me. Um, And now my life looks different. I'm not in that kind of hidden season anymore. I'm have ministry to do and I'm busy. And, and so it looks a bit different, but I still have that intimacy with him. I'm just learning to um, fight for it in different ways and Mm. make time for him in a busy schedule and pursue that differently. So I would say he hasn't changed at all. Hmm. But my pursuit of him has to look different in this season, if that makes sense. That's that's very interesting. That's that's uh, that you really it was intimacy that got you through it in a place of pain. But now you maintain the intimacy on the other side of that. And I guess sometimes when we're not in that place of desperation, sometimes we can we can slack off in our pursuit of the Lord. You know that that's that's sometimes how it seems to happen. That it's really the tough times that draw us to our knees really and get us to call it to the Lord. But I'm glad you're aware. And I think glad you made us aware of the, the need to maintain that intimacy and that walk ahead. Any, any other just closing thoughts on this whole topic of victory over rejection? If someone right now is, is, you know, they, that they say they're in a place of rejection is, is a really dominant feature of their life right now. Uh, what principle, what's the one thing you would tell them to do right now out of the gate? I would say pursue hope. Hmm. Um, Be curious about what your life might look like Hmm. if rejection was not the dominant thing. I think that was probably the first key for me Hmm. for a long time. I didn't believe that my life could look any different. And it wasn't until I had a vision for who I could be without rejection that I started to open up to the things that the Lord was asking me to step into. So ask the Lord for some hope. Ask him to show you what your life would look like without rejection. Well said. There's a blessing in, in Romans, I believe. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's a great verse that captures captures what you just said there. Oh, this has been outstanding, Amy. I know we're just, you know, we're just scratching the surface of what you share, what you share in your book here. And I want to encourage people, uh, again, regardless of where you're at personally in this topic, this is either something that will help you immensely, probably will, but you know people who, who will really benefit from this book. And as we're recording this approaching Christmas season, it's an obvious time where you can actually give somebody a gift and it isn't doesn't come across as imposing, <laughs> even if you might think this is a book they need to read. Uh, Amy, if people want to know more about you, where should they look for you online? 
Yeah, I have a website. It's called speakbeloved.com. Um, that's because I believe that God is always speaking and we are his beloved. So mm. you can see more there. There's a, an e-course to go along with the book that where I'll actually walk you through, through some shorter videos, uh, through the application of the tools in the book. So if you really want to dig in, that would be a good resource. Um, and then I have a podcast as well, Speak Beloved, and the book is available on Amazon worldwide. Awesome. That's so excellent. Well, thanks for taking the time, Amy. I know that that uh, people are going to benefit if they follow through. If this is an area that really uh, connects with their, where they're at, this will hugely benefit them. Thanks for your ministry. Thanks for taking the risk of, of doing a book. No matter what kind of a book, there's always a risk. But a book that this personal and, and this deep is, I know, I mean, the fact that you publish a book like this shows that you're in a place of victory. Mm. You know, you're moving ahead in your identity and it's just, just so encouraging to see. And uh, just encourage people to check out Amy Hayward, speakbeloved.com, find her book, Victory Over Rejection Online, and uh, be sure to hunt her down if you have any questions. Thanks for joining us. So see you next week back on Disciple Making. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.